Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. And if your name is Pepper Potts, never D&D your phone. <laughs> oh, that's right. Today, we're talking about Minute 126, which begins with Tony's missile chase and ends with Tony's missile heave-ho. Back on the show, it's Team Exorcist Minute, Lester and Keenan. Hello. Hello. Team Exorcist Minute today. We're a team. Jerseys. (laughs) Uh, You get that on your uh, bowling shirts, right? Team Exorcist. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We are coming into this minute uh, as Tony is chasing the missile. He's uh, actually not chasing it yet at the start of this minute. He is actually heading toward the uh, the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, which is the bridge between Staten Island and Long Island. And uh, he's heading toward it and spots the missile heading toward him. And then, of course, he does that fantastic little flip around the bridge and then chases it back the other way. And then also, he's it's tracking kind of its impact radius on his HUD as, as we're looking, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to figure out, before we kind of jump into everything going on with Tony, trying to figure out exactly where this uh, the jet was when it took off. Because if it had been out, uh, I don't know, based on where Tony comes in when he flies in from the helicarrier to Stark Tower to confront or to, to try stopping the Tesseract machine and then also to take, try talking to Loki, he's coming in from the... Uh, from the east over Long Island as he as he comes in. Now, the way that this missile is coming up kind of under this or right over the the bridge here, it makes me think that somehow the jet and maybe the jet kind of took its cues from Thor and is taking a lap. It flew all the way south and now is kind of shooting it up, um, uh, heading north, kind of up toward the uh, uh, up toward uh, Manhattan. I don't know. It's always funky trying to like piece these things together and figuring out how how you know where everyone's coming from and everything. Well, if the missile were to come from the east, for instance, then you wouldn't get these great shots of it going all the way up the avenues. It'd be going down <laughs> down yeah. one of the parallel streets. So that's not as fun. It's not. <laughs> you're, right. you're right. You really want to get it kind of coming right up Park Avenue there. Right. Yeah. The World Security Council was like, if we're going to do this, it needs to look <laughs> yeah. really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Got to take the scenic route. Got to be cinematic. Exactly. Maybe that, that uh, the F-35 that... Uh, that Fury took down, maybe that was the one that was going to have the direct path flying over Long right. Island in. Right. And this is the one that's coming from the south. And it just didn't change its plan, uh, its course. <laughs> yeah. So if we're thinking about geography, I hadn't thought about this, Andy, but is this area, you know, uh, between Staten Island and Long Island, is this where Tony would have been welding that? that uh, cable at the beginning where we would have seen him is that or i I want that to be the case because that'd be really nice but is that the case Mm -hmm. it is he was actually out here also so uh (laughs) you know i wish that i mean he was actually not quite as far out as the verrazano bridge he was much closer in kind of toward governor's island i think Uh, right right he comes in and we kind of get uh that uh, I think we can see that as it's kind of flying in, but he's not quite as far out. And there's really no weird, there's no callback. And I don't know, I guess it would have been hard to have some form of a callback, uh, you know, to see anything, uh, unless it was as far out as the bridge, but it's just not quite there. 
but we felt it. We right. felt it's, it. It's in our heart. <laughs> That's well, right. It, it That's does. Right. It does give us a sense that this thing is coming in from open ocean, right? Like that's it's. It has to be far enough out to give us that. Although, like to your point, it's it's the views of Park Avenue that are cool. This is not an iconic skyline of New York City, right? This is not the skyline we know. Yeah. This might as well be, you know. All right, I'm going to say it. I'm sorry, New York. It might as well be Passaic, right? Like Jersey City. It's not it, it, It's not what we know of until we get it into lower Manhattan, which is when things get right. really cool. Oh, so then we, we missed the opportunity, I suppose, to get the Statue of Liberty in there because you would have been passing by it. And we chose not to. We didn't want to plagiarize um, any number of things. <laughs> Michael, Michael yeah. Bay movies. Right. Well, even the point where we see Tony as he's coming in under the bridge before he flips around, which is is fairly early in our minute. It's like right around four seconds into this minute. I mean, I I think that, you know, the Statue of Liberty would almost be like on the left of frame. And so yeah. it's mm, just right it's, out of frame. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, it's But it's just odd that, you know, for this film that is set in New York City, like, I don't think we ever once really see the Statue of Liberty. And so it's, I think you're right. it's strange in a situation like this that, that they choose weird. to just yeah. not frame this a little wider to just give that to us. But that being said, I I think this shot, these shots of the bridge uh, and going over it and mostly practical and then adding these little animations of Iron Man. And I think that's really interesting. Like, all the different ways you can, you've already seen New York being blown up in, in, you know, multiplicitous ways. And this is a different, uh, different way of covering this that I've seen before. So yeah, I think it's really neat. Yeah. The one uh, thing though, that I, I notice more now when I watch this film in, in very kind of slow pieces is the fact that, okay, we get a fantastic God's eye view shot of the bridge as the missile and the camera's like tracking the traffic, like where it's almost like it's just like they chose to see, you can see like this white sedan directly below camera. And it's like the camera is just, you know, tracking that sedan as it kind of flies over the bridge. And then the missile flies over and Tony does his little Yui and flies over as well. Now, as I'm watching this, it's like, wait a minute, this fight in New York has been going on for, I don't know, by this point, a half hour or so, and nobody is, like, fleeing. Like, it's just, like, casual Sunday drive as everybody's like, oh, look at this. What's going on? What is that big beam coming out of the city? Like, there's no sense of panic or anything here. And even, like, the ferries and okay. stuff are all just like, yeah, it's a, it's another day in the city. Like, I don't know. Free block radius. So I'm not crazy. <laughs> right. Okay, thank you, Andy. <laughs> That was going to be that was going to be my comment is that, yeah, the the view of the bridge and then the view of the water with the boats and everything. It it seems like, I don't know, like this is old hat now. They're just like, ah, another another God alien is, uh, you know, he's got some kind of scepter and, and things are happening only again. in New York. Right. <laughs> only in New York. Yeah, they're right? just doing their their everyday weekday fleeing from Staten Island. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Hey, oh, I've never been. I'm sure it's lovely. I just know that's an easy joke. But yeah. Yeah. Hey, this bridge is closed. I got to take this other bridge to work. <laughs> it, I don't know. It just makes me laugh. I'm getting I'm getting out of here. I don't know. <laughs> it's I mean, it's not quite as bad as like the problems I ended up having, like in Stuttgart, where it was it was very like you had a lot of. Uh, action and killing and everything that was going on at at that event uh, at the museum 
But then when we'd cut to a wide shot, you could see just casual traffic driving by. It's not quite like that, which made the film seem small. Like, this doesn't make the film seem small, because I'm sure these are plates or CG shots that they have here. But weirdly, it does seem to seem like that they have forgotten that, you know, something disastrous is happening, yet everybody is just being casual about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, we do get to this point where Tony, he catches up to the missile. So now we know he's he can fly as fast as this nuke. And uh, this is his new plan. He's going to come up under it and uh, kind of like put it on his shoulder and kind of like, uh, as he says, he knows exactly where to put it. I think that as an audience, we kind of figured out what he was talking about, right? I mean, it seems obvious. He's going to shove it up the space hole, Andy. Look. <laughs> The one thing yeah. that this does make me think about. The, I just have the, to say, Pete, somebody's yeah. already called out that it looks like a sphincter. So, yeah. Oh, I think you I think that was me. I think I'm a sphincter guy. Is that what you're referring to? Because I'm the space hole sphincter guy. OK, there are two things that I yeah. want to call He's out. He's recognizing his own work here. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I just want to shove it up your space hole to now be a new expression. Yeah, shove it up your space hole. Look. I, I so there are two things that make me think of. The first is I don't know what what would really happen if you flew a jet like Iron Man low and over water. But I like what it does here. I don't know if it's if it's like real. Like a, is it is this what we would expect? It does make me think about every time Tony takes off or lands with people around because the concussive force that we get to see reflected in the water is larger than I think I normally think about, right? That that he would be knocking people over all over the place. We did talk about this um, some minutes back when he uh, when he actually gets the suit and he lands over the crowd and the jets, the repulsors turn on, he would have incinerated everybody in the park below. Uh, and, and that's a thing that I reflect on here. The, the water is a great sort of uh, fluid dynamic experiment of how many people Tony would kill when he lands close to them. Yeah, like you see right around five seconds in here how yeah. much water blasts up when he uh, uh, takes off over it. So much. We're not even talking about how many fish he's killed. Just now. <laughs> no, all, uh, this <laughs> right. is a marine disaster. <laughs> how many um, How many earth sea cows he kills, yes. let alone the leviathans. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you get the song and you get Tony Stark do 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 Tony Stark. <laughs> so the other thing that I love, there's another thing I love in here, and that is uh, his the HUD display that we get, the lateral HUD display that we get here, right? We see the side of his face. And I think it is lovely and artful, even if there is obviously no way there's that much cavernous space in the HUD between the actual visual and his face. But the way it lights his face, the way you see the gray of his hairline really demonstrates kind of the weight of the moment that here is one of the older Avengers who is moving toward this great sacrifice by shoving a bomb up a space hole. And that is a, a powerful thing to me. That on the technical side, what is the vertical line? Do we or do we think that that is some sort of a HUD tracking his the movements of his face? I I, I wonder those things. Uh, is that like some laser laser alignment of his face to interface? That's what I wonder. So those are all the things I present to you. You may begin. You mean the one that's kind of behind his head? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting element to add because it doesn't it doesn't make sense in the context of. 
the way a mask would be over his head. Like all it really is, is like tiny projections immediately actually in front of his eyes that, that he could actually focus on. Um, it becomes this interesting visualization. And I suppose it really is just, yeah, designed in some capacity for this whole thing to be tracking his head. But again, his head can't move inside the, the helmet. Like right. the helmet, the helmet moving with him. Independent yeah, of yeah, the helmet. Yeah, yeah that doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's kind of funky. So this is specifically for us. This is like like it's an aesthetic shot that we can see that like, oh, he's in there and we can we can see uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s beautiful profile. And, you know, that 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 silver fox right there. And we, we can see we can see all of that. But like in, in reality, yeah, like he turns his head and everything, everything moves. Yeah, right, right. The other thing that I think is is interesting to think about with regard to the HUD that I think is coming into more focus, I'm <laughs> making a pre-joke, uh, <laughs> uh, with all of the talk of, of VR displays and, you know, Apple announced its vision. And so we're talking a lot about how eyes relate to these kinds of displays and the the act of kind of understanding what he's able to focus on and what the movie has to make visible to us is fascinating, right? Like the distance of, what do they call it? They call it version, distance of vergence and distance of accommodation. And so the, the accommodation is where the screen is, the vergence is where the subject is that you're going to be, your eyes are actually trying to focus on. And that is completely broken in Tony's HUD for cinematic purposes. And uh, it, it's mm. a, a lovely little, I, I think, an artful veil that we look through, that sort of verisimilitude that we have to adopt when looking through Tony's HUD that makes it just a legit work of art, a, a work of interface. It's it's lovely. Right. Our normal shot of him through the helmet is, is always, you know, uh, where he's looking directly like right next to the lens right mm -hmm. so he's always looking straight forward and we get to see all of his expressions and get to feel more of him but it loses at all it, we can't stay in there too long because we lose his sense of movement right 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 and right. so this this uh profiled one is, is interesting and he's looking at the screen left to screen right and it, it, we get to feel just enough of his performance but also know that it, he's still you know racing to something he's trying to get somewhere yeah and we had even like last time we had you two on it, we had some of that too because when the chitari hits his head we actually have that shot from looking inside his helmet as his head very quickly gets smacked from left to right and so mm -hmm. you can, and you can see the whole hud shifting and everything so it's interesting that they're really you know, are starting to play with kind of the perspectives within the HUD. Well, and the fact that the HUD, that that his helmet, I think this sometimes gets lost until you, you think about what he's actually seeing. His eyes in the helmet are not eye holes, right? He is, they are manifestations of light. He's not seeing through them. What he's seeing inside the mask is a complete camera view of the world around him. It's a pass-through camera that allows him to see the world. And that's why when he gets injured, everything goes dark, right? Like he can't, he, he, sometimes he, I think you get the this vision of like two little tiny pinholes, but that that doesn't represent the totality of what he's able to see. This the, What they're playing, the technology that they're playing with is it's fascinating to look at right now because here 10 years later, people are inventing the real thing to be able to do what Tony Stark has been able to do. And it's coming in a year and it's unreal. Right. But but they're using it to watch yogurt commercials, you know, at your house, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Not but, quite but saving the world. In with it 3D yet. space, Keenan, 3D space yogurt commercials. Right. Uh, right. To watch Sally Field tell you about Boniva. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Oh, uh, the way that things evolve. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Um, all right. Well, so we get to this point where 
you know, and well, and actually just, you know, to the point of the HUD, because it certainly is going to relate with exactly where we go from this point, the way that the HUD has been shifting is from very intimate, like, I mean, we're getting those super close shots that you were just talking about, Keenan, around 10, 11 seconds of the close up of Tony's face as he's kind of looking. And then starting at this point, we're going to start getting these shots like the one that you like so much, Pete, around 20 seconds that become wider and wider and more spacious and more spacious, leading us all the way, you know, beyond the hole into through the space hole and beyond and uh, becoming kind of a more internal space for Tony. And we'll, we'll certainly talk about that as we get to those minutes. But it is interesting that a lot of the views that we're getting kind of become more intimate and personal with Tony, which is exactly where we're going here. Because as Steve pipes in over the radio that, you know, it's a one-way trip, and then Jarvis pipes in a very kind of somber, like, I know what you're doing, and so let's, do you want to try calling Miss Potts? It becomes like this kind of personal journey for Tony, and we're giving him kind of the space so that we can, it's almost like separating the technology so we can get closer to the the person at this particular moment of his uh, story. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. That is a really good point, yeah. We get to, we get to be a part of Tony's emotional space hole. (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, but i I also want to applaud the filmmakers right to not get stuck in sort of rules like the only way that we ever see the hud is this or the only way we ever see you know this operate is that because this is the um the action climax they're also trying to add an emotional climax in it with him with with pepper right so let's not just be like oh there's only one way to shoot you in the iron man suit and, and especially because it's like for a specific perfect purpose, right? Like we we get the idea that, you know, the economy of these shots, like we're using them, we're using them, all of them, all of them have a specific purpose, right? And like we were talking about like the POV of the HUD looking outwards when he's getting beat up. And then now we have this this uh, scene where we're we're seeing this big decision that he's making. Yeah, exactly. Um, we go up to the skies as Jarvis does try calling Pepper, and we see the Stark Industries private jet. Uh, per the Internet Movie Plane database, uh, this is just CG. It's a fake plane loosely based on a low-wing jet variant of the Piaggio P-180 Avanti or the dead project of the Sukhoi Gulfstream S-21. Um, so, mm. yeah, they, I knew they all that. Like, I knew all that already. Did I, I thought you might have. <laughs> uh, we last saw Pepper on the second, the evening of the second. She was at Stark Tower with Tony and she caught a ride with uh, with Coulson as uh, he was taking her to uh, uh, LaGuardia so that she could hop on this jet fly over to dc and now it's the fourth the morning of the fourth presumably she's flying back to la it's possible she's flying back to new york it's it's not super clear but she is flying and this is where we see that they are all watching she and three as far as i can tell unidentified extras are watching the news and um she's missing tony's call Mm. the news real quick there is a news anchor speaking. There are two news anchors credited, Andrea Vecchio and Robin Swoboda, both former Cleveland news personalities. I've listened to clips of both of them. I haven't quite been able to tell which one is which. It's not identified. It's just the voice that we have. I'm leaning toward Robin Swoboda, but Andrea is actually credited first, so it's entirely possible it's her. One of the things I, I love about it is they refer to Iron Man as Tony Stark's Iron Man. As if Iron Man, a <laughs> right. production of Tony Stark. And there's something <laughs> sort of quaint about that. 
Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Tony Stark's Iron Man. Right. <laughs> right. By Disney. By, by Disney. The, but this beat, like, how does this play for all of you? Do you like this beat of, uh, you know, Jarvis kind of pushing Tony to kind of have this conversation with Pepper, as in, like, this might be the last time I get to talk to you? Do you all like the way that plays out? Can I just say... Um, as a person uh, whose parents have uh, recently adopted mobile phones, but don't yet treat them like mobile phones, <laughs> then, you know, don't keep it in their pockets. Uh, my dad doesn't keep his on. Of course. So because he doesn't want to waste the battery. What if somebody calls? Well, yeah. <laughs> right. So it, it, like, I, like, I, I don't know how many times like I've needed to I've needed to call. And it's like, okay, I try the uh, I try I try mom's phone, I try dad's phone. And it's all, you know, uh, voicemail, voicemail. And then I try the landline that they still have. And that's the one that works. Right. And I'm, I was like, what if you're not home? It's like, well, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. We'll call you back. Mom and dad, if you're listening, keep, keep your phones on, on in your pockets. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm in the bag for this kind of stuff. And I cannot wait for the day that I could reliably count on my on-device uh, robot to also be my, like, relationship counselor. Like, go ahead and <laughs> remind me when I do something stupid. If I need to call, I sh you should tell me to call. Uh, you're about to die. You need to call your loved ones. Like, that's okay. Because in that moment, I might forget. Yeah, right. Well, here's the thing. Like, Tony, uh, like, seems to have integrated Jarvis into everything. Do you think that Jarvis could just, like, pipe in through the the uh, the Jets speaker system and say, uh, Miss Potts, Tony is trying to call you on, on your cell phone, which is behind you, vibrating on the, the armrest. Could you please pick it up? Like, like, Jarvis should just pipe on the TV, you mean? Like, Jarvis. Did right. It. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think the future iterations of Pepper Potts's life is more tech heavy, and that's probably why. Right, this is probably the exact moment where <laughs> where they started making those revisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I actually like to think that if if it were mine, it would be more uh, Miss Potts. Tony's about to die, but forgot to call you. Just thought you should know, Jarvis. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, I would love I it do. if our robots, our emotional support robots, were just a touch more passive aggressive. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what yesterday was, Mr. Stark? Yes, it was her birthday. Why didn't you tell me ahead of time? <laughs> right. Well, you should know that already. You were That's busy right, right. with Netflix. <laughs> uh, well, we go from uh, Pepper being concerned and ignoring her phone to back to the helicarrier. And again, the, you know, we I mentioned this when we were talking about the moment the other day about uh, Fury when he runs up and, and takes down one of his jets. Like, the helicarrier staff is, like, completely useless. They're all just watching the news. This is essentially a, a uh, an aircraft carrier in the sky. It's got all these vehicles. It's got people who potentially could be doing things. Why is what the helicarrier has been kind of written to do is just, like, essentially, like, have a one-line communication between Fury and Tony? Like, that's all they do. Like, they could be doing things. And I, it's one of those things. I know they've kind of written the fact that, you know, take it out over the water. We need to make sure everything's working again. And so they've kind of put it, quote, out of commission. But still, they could be scrambling jets. They could be doing other things. And it's just, it strikes me funny that the helicarrier staff essentially is written as essentially 
as useless as any other uh, onlooker. They're all just kind of watching the news. It's I don't know. Does it strike any of you that that's an issue? Well, that kind of goes back to uh, Nick Fury not taking that shot with that pistol. It's like... (laughs) I've done what I can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. That, well, that's kind of exactly it, right? Isn't that what they're trying to communicate here, which is there is nothing else for us to do. The entire weight of the saving of New York, of the planet, all sits on Tony's shoulders, literally in the form of this bomb, figuratively in terms that of his isolation from everybody else. I wanted this to be that moment where when when real things happen everybody is glued to the tv watching it happen there nothing else matters right it's it's like all of the rest of time and space disappears and we're all watching the same thing it's this it's this global event this this thing that is going to change history um you know everybody remembers where they were and what they were doing when you know it was like kennedy or this or that you know and and so i was i was thinking like this is this is that moment right there there is nothing else that 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 can be done right now so even the helicarrier even you know the 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 people who have the big guns and the big planes and the you know and the big you know save the world people are just glued to the monitors watching the la- possibly the last moments of new york yeah i mean this is sort of a michael bay special right of like cutting to people listening to the radio or watching watching the news etc but i th- so i buy it completely in the moment i think to to andy's point these people at least could be calling somebody <laughs> and telling them that, that a bomb <laughs> is going to go off in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, yeah, at least, you know, call Staten Island, you know, and like tell them to duck or something. Like, you know, the, the people who who will be surviving but won't, nest, you know, could use a heads up. Yeah, yeah right, right. Oh, well. Now, for all we know, they 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 did, and it was like, "Hey, what are you doing? You can't you tell me what to do." Like, <laughs> like, who is this? <laughs> right, is right. this Vinny? I recognize your voice, Vinny. I'll get you back. <laughs> I do, I do kind of love the idea of this last shot of looking at the group, and there's one guy in the distance who stands up and says, "Hey, everybody! I did it! I fixed it! The bomb is!" And somebody like throws a tablet at him and says, "Shut up!" <laughs> Actually, I would just love the Gallagher guy to stand up at the back and just say. I won! I won! <laughs> uh, well, it is a moment. We need our heroes to do their business. So it's obvious, as I said earlier, it's not called S.H.I.E.L.D. It's called the Avengers. We want them to be doing the active stuff. So right. we get to watch them watch Tony carry this missile, aim his uh, angle so that he can kind of get it up to the top of Stark Tower in through the space hole. And that's where our minute ends. So uh, let's wrap it up here. We had a fantastic conversation over the course of the season with you uh, both. Thank you both so much for joining us to talk about this movie. Thank you, Pete and Andy. Wonderful. Thank you for having us. Yes. Uh, Remind everyone one last time about The Exorcist Minute and where to tune in. Yes. Yes, folks, we are The Exorcist Minute, um, and we examine, extrapolate, and excavate the iconic film, the most uh, terrifying movie of all time, The Exorcist. Um, and you can go to uh, theexorcistminute.com, or you can find us on all the uh, um, uh, directories, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can find us on True Story, because now we are part of the True Story Network. We're so happy to be uh, part of this family now. It's awesome. Fantastic. We are thrilled. Well, we are thrilled to have you and uh, love your show. And uh, it's definitely worth checking out, everybody. Tune in. Remember, we've got the links in the show notes. If you don't see them in your podcatcher, just go to marvelmovieminute.com and you can find it all there. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 127. So, Pete, thanks as always. 
Oh, tomorrow, Andy. We get to see what happens when the subject space hole rejects an unwelcome suppository. Ooh. <laughs> Till next time, true believers. <laughs> Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. It's what I love about the Marvel Movie Minute <laughs> is we, we get to take a break from all the silliness, Keenan. <laughs> right, exactly. And we get to go on to a mature, a mature really, show. Really serious, take it yeah. seriously. Professionals. <laughs> yes.